You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. The final 2010 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule includes drastic cuts for cardiology that will be phased in over the next four years. How will these cuts impact cardiology practices as well as patient access to care? How can cardiologists optimize use of health information technology to help their practices thrive and encourage better outcomes despite these very drastic payment cuts? Our guest today is Mr. Chris Kaiser, editor of Cardiovascular Business. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Chris, let's start by discussing the final 2010 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. What do the cuts include for cardiology? For cardiology, it's pretty severe. Essentially, the cuts will go anywhere from 10 to 40%, with SPECT myocardial perfusion imaging really taking the brunt, approximately 36% cut, which takes effect this year. All of the other cuts are being phased in over a four-year period, and that's one of the concessions that CMS made to the feedback that they got from the cardiology community, but they didn't do that with SPECT. So there's a lot of talk about SPECT imaging, what the impact of those cuts are going to be, whether the smaller outpatient SPECT centers that perform SPECT imaging will be able to survive these drastic cuts. Why do you think SPECT in particular was hit so hard in 2010? That's a good question, Dr. Lowen. And I think the answer is multifactorial. I think that there has been an assault on SPECT imaging and cardiology imaging in particular over the last five to ten years regarding in-house self-referred imaging, as it is sometimes known as, without a good look as to what the benefit of that imaging actually is doing for the patient and for cardiovascular disease in general. I think another factor is the flawed physician's practice information survey that CMS used to calculate that in-office imaging is... uh, Pretty outrageous. They didn't even take their own consultant's view on the fact that the data was not reflective at all of cardiology practices. Exactly. Cardiology, as you know, has had this fantastic... 10-year history of reducing morbidity and mortality since 1996 by 30% in this country. So something's right. Millions of people are home having dinner with their family tonight who would otherwise be dead just 10 years ago. So there's a lot of return on investment here. But these CMS cuts are a fairly big threat to practices. In fact, private practice may be gone. And many cardiologists are trying to be hired by hospitals and sell their practices. Are any of the cardiologists insulated from these cuts that you see, Chris? It will be determined over the next couple of years. What I'm hearing right now is that people are scared. Cardiologists are scared. They're in a wait-and-hold pattern. There's a lot of uncertainty. And that uncertainty, of course, uncertainty in, in anything produces fear. But in this case, the fear is very real. What will happen to our practice, many cardiologists are saying, What I'm hearing from cardiologists that are in big centers is that they have already, in the last couple of years, 
increase their SPECT imaging because smaller practices with marginal profits couldn't make it. That's just going to increase as these drastic cuts up to 36% take effect. Smaller outpatient centers with nuclear nuke cameras and CT with these advanced expensive technologies will not be able to survive. They will either close down completely or they will get rid of their SPECT and CT services. Now, right now, these larger centers are kind of welcoming that, but it could get pretty drastic. It could overwhelm these larger centers if everybody all at once in a particular area is coming to the local academic center for their SPECT imaging, they might not get the test that they need as quickly as possible. So just to sum that up, Jack, what I'm hearing is that uh, the smaller outpatient centers, they're bracing for what they're really not sure is going to happen, but they are concerned that they're going to have to reduce or eliminate some service lines and reduce or eliminate some personnel. Well, what's really amazing is that CMS thinks this is all bluff. They think that cardiologists are doing just fine and they'll be able to keep their practices open. What we're seeing is a mass migration to selling practices and private practice turning into hospital employment. Do you think it's going to be uh, sustainable, that there way, some way for practices to adapt to this for individual and group cardiology practices and to operate nuclear testing, for example? One thing that I've learned from covering the cardiovascular medicine beat is that cardiologists, among any other subspecialty, are very resilient. Cardiology has been the target of CMS and other government scrutiny in the past, and cardiology has always survived, in particular because of people like you, because of the American College of Cardiology. I think that the the organization and the people at the top work tirelessly to get their point across to all the stakeholders involved, including the government. So in the past, we've seen patterns where cardiologists are more aligned with hospitals, and it has worked, and then we've seen the reverse of that. So one could say this is sort of the natural flux, the uh, cardiologist practice, but one could also say we might be entering into a new era of medicine where there's more government control, more government uh, restrictions, and this is all potential, and more government regulation of the price of the reimbursement. And that has a lot of practices and people in academic centers concerned. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Mr. Chris Kaiser, editor of Cardiovascular Business. We're discussing the 2010 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule, which is really adversely affecting cardiology across the nation as well as strategies to improve efficiency and protect practice's bottom line through the savvy use of HIT. Chris, finishing up on what we were just mentioning, you know, this shift of cardiologists from private practice, closing down their practices and moving to employment by hospitals, how is that going to affect the premiums patients pay and the Medicare Part B costs? That is an interesting question and one that I'm not sure is totally worked out, but it concerns a lot of people. Something that caught my attention, there was an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal 
about the Mayo Clinic. And in several other clinics, they are no longer accepting Medicare patients because of the low reimbursement. In the primary care domain. Yeah. I think that's the shot across the bow right there. Cardiologists like the idea of maintaining private practices in smaller communities and in rural areas and in inner cities. But this rule is basically a government policy that says we'd just as soon obliterate that and have you all work for the hospital. We can pay bundled payments there. It's a very bold strategy and one that it's going to affect patients adversely. There's no doubt. It's going to raise costs because hospitals charge much more for the same tests than private offices. Maybe there's a way to avoid all this crisis. Most of my colleagues don't see it, but is there a way to use HIT, EHRs, smart use of collected patient data, telemedicine, and so forth to kind of work around these changes? Do you see anything that might keep private practice open for cardiology? Absolutely, Jack. That is the future. And I think you guys at the ACC are on the cutting edge with the uh, Pinnacle program that you have offering office-based practices, the ability to have this web-based electronic solution so that they can gauge their benchmarks and see how well they're doing nationally. But that really is the future. And again, the government is heavily involved in that as well, offering incentives and disincentives for hospitals and practices to adopt EHR systems. But as we move into the future, it's really not about collecting data anymore. It's about using that data in a smart way. And the smart way is by measuring that data against your peers, either locally or nationally, and determining whether you're an outlier for a good reason or for a negative reason and making those corrections. Right now, we're in the initial steps of that. A lot of the various EHR programs are not speaking to each other, particularly in cardiology. You have hemo data. You have patient data, scheduling, billing, and costs, and all of this needs to talk to each other, and all of it needs to be accessible and available immediately to anyone along the enterprise. We're getting there. We're not there yet. I think the big push by the government to offer incentives to adopt EHR is a good one. And finally, as you know, the government did announce what they meant by meaningful use and meaningful users. So we're on the right path with that, and I think that that particularly in the type of program that you set up with Pinnacle, is the wave of the future. We really need to have practices of all sizes, particularly the smaller ones. And I think this is in getting to the heart of your question. I think smaller practices, if they were able to use their data intelligently so that they can streamline everything and make the best of it as far as meeting patient outcomes, goals, meeting other goals, that perhaps they can get improved quality, improved quality, efficiency. Pinnacle is an opportunity to work with internists, family doctors, and everybody in the community. And the idea would be if anybody's really serious in this new administration about their promise to start paying for better outcomes and for better results, then, you know, that 30% reduction in morbidity and mortality would result in, instead of a 30 or 40% payment cut, some kind of payment incentive. Now, that's the promise of Pinnacle. If the government's really willing to do payment reform, then these new virtual networks could work. But if they want to just play price fixing, we're going to go nowhere. We're going to lose all the services in the community and force cardiologists to work in hospitals. And that's the the concern. So as we look at this in the future, how do we track it? I mean, how do we get back to the the patient who may be paying higher copayments and 
and then the Medicare program that's surprised next year that all their costs go up because they've shifted it to the hospital reimbursement. That's a problem, and the problem is inherent with the system that's used. It's cost-neutral. Anytime they want to increase reimbursements for cardiology services that will ultimately help patients, they've got to take it from somewhere else. So as I've been reading and as I've been hearing, there are a lot of flaws with the system. A lot of people believe that healthcare reform is needed. They are in favor of some kind of reform. And I think you mentioned this on one of your blog entries that after these cuts came through, after the fee schedule was announced, that many of ACC members were so unhappy that they actually turned against health care reform with thinking that if this is how the government is going to handle this type of problem this way, then we don't want them to get any more involved. And it's interesting because we've got to start somewhere, and you hear this all the time. And now with the latest results from Massachusetts, with Scott Brown being elected senator there to replace Senator Edward Kennedy's senatorial seat, The Democrats do not hold a majority, 60% majority, to stop the filibuster, so we don't know. That's a grenade, isn't it? That's a grenade in the health reform process. Exactly. And as we all know, we have to start somewhere. The system is broken, and we have to start somewhere. And both sides and advocacy groups are, are working towards getting something done starting the process. But there are so many things, particular to cardiology, that are inherently flawed. You know, to answer your question, I really don't know where it all goes as far as, you know, getting back to the patient. How do we ensure that the patients are not going to be paying higher co-pays, that they're not going to have to drive 20, 25 miles to a larger center because the outpatient center that was closest to them has closed down? Well, Chris, this has really been a fascinating discussion. I think uh, there's more to come on it. Um, Basically, this needs to stay about patients. If the goal of health reform is to increase access and reduce costs, then the irony of this decision by HHS is that they're going to do the reverse. Folks, we have been discussing CMS payment physician cuts in the current Medicare 2010 rule. We've also been talking about strategies that can keep practices thriving even when the reimbursement viability drops through HIT. We've been talking with Mr. Chris Kaiser, editor of Cardiovascular Business. Chris, thank you very much for being our guest. It's been fascinating. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.